Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's Dave Tuttle and the Astros' master of banter, Blummer. Through the cloud. Yeah, I'm going to cover my moss today. It's not good because the bleachers are empty. It's just me and Tuttle. That's it. And everybody listen to this podcast because baseball sucks. I never thought I'd say that, but baseball sucks right now. I still love the game. Uh, it's done a lot for me and it's done a lot for us, but right now baseball sucks. And a lot of the reason it sucks is because it's not on the field. We don't get to watch guys running around, getting dirty, spitting, chewing, cussing, and hitting the ball hard or throwing wicked sliders and stuff like that. So baseball sucks right now until, man, Manfred, Rob Manfred. It's almost turned into a cuss word these days, the commissioner of baseball. You've been Manfreded. Um, But uh, Tony Clark and Rob Manfred trying to duke things out, uh, one on the union side, one on the owner's side. We will talk about that a little bit because – Usually I talk about what's going to be on tap, brought to you by our good friend St. Arnold down here in Houston, but uh, that's all that's on tap. A lot of baseball talk, and it's been pretty interesting as far as proposals and negotiations and 100% lies and, and stuff like that, but also, guess what? That whistling you hear in the background is not an Astro. It's a Yankee. So now the Yankees have been exposed a little bit, and that's kind of Tuttle and I will talk about that a little bit because we have mentioned that be careful when you're sitting in that glass house chucking rocks from your patio going, ha-ha, your team is cheating. We said it. We've been saying it. Everybody's doing it at some, some different level. And now it seems that the Yankees have been exposed a little bit with a letter that they want to have unsealed. But at the same time, as I have my skull covered with my Bleacher Blums hat, I look across the way at Tuttle, and you are spectacular. You are ready for this. And so is John Daly. Smag, smag it and rip it. <laughs> hey, that's what baseball needs to do, smag it and rip it. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's it. I mean, I thought we wouldn't talk baseball today. That's why I wore my golf shirt. Uh, oh, right. I'm just joking, but uh, – you know, yeah, the glass houses thing. I was going to say, I've heard this somewhere before that other teams might have been doing it. Mm. And now you find that there's some sealed letter. So anyway, I, it's, this isn't even about getting the Astros off the hook or anybody no. else. It's really about, it's, it's kind of like saying one, it's kind of like saying one team did steroids, right? It's like, <laughs> you know, like, all right, all those guys were doing steroids. You know, as Gagne said last time, like 80%, 80%. of the guys in the clubhouse or whatever. Yeah, because once they started seeing the results, you know, and they saw the money following it, they're like, oh, this seems like a good idea. And that guy gets traded. We've talked about 40-man roster stuff. You know, Mike Fires leaving for Oakland, and then what he said to them, and the guys that come in the clubhouse late, like, oh, yeah, this is what you guys are doing? Okay. And all that stuff. I mean, y- you would have, like, little tricklings into different clubhouses, whether it be cheating, steroids, or whatever else the next uh, concoction is. But uh <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't surprised to read that article. I guess I'm a little surprised you and I both know Booney a little bit, and maybe he was not privy, um, similar to AJ not being privy for most of the time until he yeah. discovered it. But Aaron had uh, strong comments about the cheating going on, and uh, maybe, yeah. you know, maybe there was something going on, like either under his watch or right when he got there. So interesting. 
Yeah, that whole situation is really interesting. So we're talking to, we'll just, you know, just go ahead and go into this thing. I'll, I'll, yeah. You know, it's the Yankees came out and uh, there was a draft Kings lawsuit against the Astros, Red Sox and Yankees, you know, and they wanted to maybe uh, get some money back because they felt that their idea of betting and some of the lines that were made might've been skewed by the fact that uh, the Yankees, Red Sox and Astros were both sign stealing to a certain extent and taking it a little bit too far. So that would, you know, put uh, the game in favor of whatever particular team that was. So DraftKings, unbeknownst to them, setting up the odds and the, and the, the lines and the over-unders and all of that weren't privy to that kind of information. They felt like that allowed them to maybe lose some money or were unable to, I don't know. It's, it's a long drawn out thing. And I'm no, sure they can I mean, they're basically saying that it was thrown. The games are thrown. This yes. is like Pete Rose gambling or yeah. this is like insider. It's like insider trading is what they're claiming, right? This, this is why Tuttle is here because I'm on the field <laughs> and I'm ignorant to the, you know, I'm That's learning this true. whole process of betting, but that that's exactly right. And the case is, I believe the case has actually been thrown out against all three teams. There wasn't enough there to actually prove that, which is interesting in itself because it basically said sign stealing didn't do enough to move the needle to enhance their winning abilities at all. So that being said, there's obviously evidence, you know, submitted. So there are sealed letters all throughout this, but now people are, you know, there are certain entities are trying to unseal these letters and it leaked out that, the judge wanted to unseal one of the letters that the commissioner, Rob Manfred, wrote to the New York Yankees. And the Yankees were like, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't want that uh, released. We don't need that out in the public eye. We don't need anybody reading into this or interpreting it. Uh, there's nothing in it they quote unquote say. But at the same time, the fact that they don't want it out there and they said that it would damage their reputation is what I think stirred the pot a little bit as far as what people were speculating about. And there's a couple of accounts on Twitter that have already said the Yankees did it and they're actually, you know, showing evidence of it with, instead of the trash can banging, you can clearly hear a whistle throughout the 2017 season. You know, trash can banging is way more subversive than like whistling. <laughs> I mean, that's just so much more underhanded and dastardly. Like, I, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, I said this before, like first name, last name. I love when the lay person or the GP, as you said, they're like, oh, look, there was no bangs for like five pitches. And I said, look, I mean, when, in high school, when we got a guy like tipping his pitches, we did like first name and last name or first <laughs> yeah. name means breaking ball. Nothing means it's a fastball. Like it doesn't, you know. It, if a tree falls in the forest, you know, it, does it make it, and no one's around here, does it make a sound? It's like, just because there was this or wasn't that, like, I, I don't know. I mean, doesn't mean there's something else going on. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, these, this has been going on since the beginning of time, but I think it's funny, like, oh, whistling. Well, whistling is, you know, that can't be attributed to, you know, yeah. banging the trash can with a, it just, the whole thing is we, our point is more overarching that the teams that cheated that we know of Yankees, Red Sox, Astros, we're all winning teams <laughs> yep. and all in the playoffs. Um, I guess the Dodgers can still, you know, you know, plant their flag as, Hey, we were the best team that didn't cheat. Right. That's like Lance been Armstrong. Eerily quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so weird. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, the whole thing is just, it, it has become a mess and I'm not saying that the Dodgers don't have a, a gripe. It's just that, you know, how many times we're on podcast 70 upwards of 70, close to 80, yeah. 75 maybe. And, you know, I think in the first five podcasts, we were just saying like, you know, nobody cared if the Seattle Mariners or 
Marlins. You know, the Baltimore Baltimore Orioles were cheating. Yeah. So anyway, I just uh, I yeah. jumped in there, but I just you know it's like no, it's great because I don't it, think I anybody mean, knows. It, well, ultimately, in the long run, like you said earlier, the, it's not going to take any of the heat off the Astros. Nobody's going to be up in arms, and you know, especially within the industry. Uh, you've talked to ex players that you know. You know people within the game who watch the game fervently, and they're probably like, "Eh, whatever." You know, and a lot of players that I've talked to, you know, whether they're current or ex players, the funniest thing is, is like they look at me and they're like, "Really? We're, we're talking about this? This is a big deal." And apparently it is because the fans get so adamant about it. But all this is really done. And just one more, one more final note on yeah. the legality of what's going on with the Yankees fighting the unsealing. It was really interesting to me to see that the commissioner signed on to that letter to keep it sealed. I mean, the conspiracy theories when you do something like that just spiral out of control. But this is re- all this is really done. And I jumped on it too. You know, I tweeted out, you know, from uh, Dodgeball when, uh, you know, Pepper – he looked at Cotton and goes, I feel shocked, you know? And it was all facetious, sarcastic, whatever it was, because you know what? We knew this was going on. It was just a matter of time before it got out there. Now it's out there, and it's just kind of fueled the fire. But I agree with you that it's kind of – we're making a mockery of it. And at the same time, it's not going to take anything away from what the Astros uh, are going to go through eventually when they get on the field and have fans in the stands. Yeah, no, it, it doesn't. And I think um, – we talked about fan being short for fanatic. I mean, the people that are diehards are going to, I mean, that one might last for a long time as the Astros make their way around the league and maybe the Red Sox to a lesser degree and maybe even the Yankees now. But I mean, you know, there's an old book written about baseball. If you ain't cheating, ain't cheating, ain't trying. And I think that, I mean, we, we tend to take now this social justice, like, Oh God, this and that. I mean, you know, with the type of year we've had, you know, with everything that's gone on. I mean, baseball is still a game. It's played by young men, uh, you know, who kind of goad each other into things. It's like, I dare you to jump off that bridge. You won't do that. I mean, like, you know, these are 22 to 25 year old men. That and, are and if like he's doing it, I'm going to do it. And if he's doing it. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, I, and I'm not justifying both you and I have talked about no, this, you know, yeah. the steroid era, it was my personal choice. I felt like that would affect my body in yep. one way or another. And as I've said, in hindsight, I wished I had figured out a way to, you know, beat the guys that were doing it, you know, being a little mm-hmm. more wily or a little smarter or take advantage of the fact that, hey, I still have the skill set. Maybe I just need to sharpen my game. But more importantly, with something like this, it, it's like we we take it out into the world like, oh, man, these guys, what would they do on the street? Would they have ethics or morals or value judgments? Like, look, I mean, winning a World Series and, you know, getting paid millions of dollars is this little flash of pain. You know, you got one shot to do it, one contract to do it, one kind of chance to do it. It's, you know, it's that, it's that question. We got you at the end end of the plank. Do you want to jump in the ocean or do you want to do what we say? And I think, uh, you know, until you're put in that position, it's very hard to be judgmental. But like I said, I think the glass houses uh, analogy is probably the most appropriate here. Let's uh, if I was doing it and I didn't get caught, then I just want to keep my mouth shut and keep moving mm-hmm. and, uh, and, you know, kind of let the chips fall where they may that the Manfred thing is another piece. And I think the other topic that we'll get to, of course, is uh, you know, we, I keep saying this should not be a collective bargaining agreement, but somehow it's turned into uh, essentially a, a collective bargaining agreement two years ahead of you know, a schedule. And it's, it's not going to be good. Dude, 
I'm glad you bring that up because we're just going to segue and move right into the negotiations that are going on right now because the, the Yankee, Yankee scandals out there, the Astros, Red Sox, they did it. But to Tuttle's point, I think Tuttle absolutely nailed it. And was, you know, we constantly, when we've been on this podcast, trying to t- explain what is actually going on, we have always said that we hope it's not a CBA. It's not a CBA. Let's not treat it like a CBA. But to your point, Tuttle, it is. And I couldn't agree more now that we're at the point we're at. And after the chain of events that we've seen in the last week, I think it screams, screams that it's setting up for 2022. Because the collective bargaining agreement, which we keep calling the CBA, is up at the end of 2021. So at the end of that season, I believe it's either December 1st or December 31st of 2021, that contract is up and they have to renegotiate a new one moving forward. And, you know, that's the agreement between owners and players as far as service time and a lot of the legalities of contracts and free agency and arbitration and things like that. And I couldn't agree more. Now, if you would ask me like two or three weeks ago, I'd have been like, no, they're not negotiating in bad faith because this, or they're not using tactics because of the CBA they're going to have in two years. But I can't say that now because what we saw with Manfred coming out going, oh, we're 100% sure, and then pulling back, and then the letter from the union was basically a double-barreled middle finger right at at Manfred saying, you've argued in bad faith, we're going to file a grievance, which I think that they've got a pretty good one, and they mm-hmm. said, you, we can't do this anymore. You just tell us when and where you want us to play, and they kind of gave him the ultimatum, and that's what caused Manfred to kind of pull back a little bit and go, oh, my gosh, I don't know what we're doing or if we're going to be able to pull this off 100%. And then we find out that the league is threatening not to play at all if they, if they uh, file the grievance, which, man, I don't understand. So you're telling me if I don't file a grievance, you'll let me go play. But if I want to file a grievance for, let's say, $1 billion or whatever, $1 billion, I hate to keep doing that. No, I was just thinking, that's it. $1 million. No, $1 million. Oh, $1 billion. So you're telling me if I pull back my grievance, you'll let us play. But if I keep my grievance, you're not going to let me play. Well, guess what? If you pull back and you've already thrown that bone out there, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to double up on my grievance and try and get more money out of you because you shut down the season for obviously not wanting us to sue you. So we're just going to go for it. And I think that really kind of backfired a little bit. But uh, news today, before I get to you know what Tuttle's thinking about this whole, whole situation, is literally before we came on this podcast and started to record here on Wednesday, is that Manfred flew to Arizona, met face-to-face with Tony Clark. No deal is done because you got to remember not just the, uh, the financial situation, number of games, money paid, but also the protocols, the safety protocols. Now it's like the logistics of what's actually going on is being thrown out there and they need to ar- agree on that also. So there's two sides to this, but they met, apparently it went well, I don't, whatever. I mean, I know that, man, I feel terrible, but you know, some of the, some of the writers that are out there writing some of these articles, I just, I feel like I have to read like 19 different articles and pick the common thread out of every one of them because One's going to be pro owner. One's going to be pro fan. One's going to be pro player. One's, you know, and it's just like, whatever. But apparently it went well. We'll see. When it says went well, I want to hear done deal. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with you. And I think uh, what's interesting about that is the picking and choosing part. I mean, I don't think really many of us care about the the logistics of this thing. I feel like I don't know why we always have to get to the point where, you know, 
they're going to take them in a room and hold a gun to both their heads and say, all right, you know, until you guys, you know, negotiate this in good faith and get a deal done, then we're going to, uh, we're, you know, we're not going to let you out of this room. We're not going to feed you. You know, it's but almost like being in a jury. come to that firing squad situation where we have to hold the gun to their heads? Yeah. We have to put, you know, put them, put them, you know, <laughs> against the wall and like pin them with your hand and go, hey, come on, seriously, yeah. give me the right answer. Yeah, you can't eat until you uh, until you come up there with you something. Go. Yeah, finish your veggies, yeah. man. Let's and, go. And I think I I don't know if it's apparent. I mean, me even not being a, a member or, or a card carrying member of the uh, Players Association, I think you know I think we definitely lean towards pro player. I've always felt that way. And if you read like Marvin Miller's book about the founding of the union, and you start That's back when when all of this kind of came to fruition. It's like, yeah, there's, there's, you know, there's been this animosity. And I mean, we, mm -hmm. we've even as pro players, we are taken some shots at Scott Boris and the way he approaches it. But this is like our political system. You know, you have your kind of the middle pack, right? Republicans, Democrats, and these people are, you know, I'm on this team, you're on this team. And then you have your extremists on both ends. Yeah. And maybe Boris is extreme and some, you know, old school owners are extreme here. I think most of the people want to come together in the middle and understand that, yes, there's some contention, but ultimately we want to get a product on the field. And um, I can't remember who tweeted out about the Marlins this week, but the Marlins was a great example who they haven't put more than 10,000 fans in the stands for, you know, two or three seasons. And Derek mm -hmm. Jeter got a lot of heat for gutting that team, but guess what? They're, they're profitable, meaning the value of that franchise has gone up significantly over the past four or five years because of the moves they've made. So, I mean, moving some dollars and cents around on the, uh, on the payroll or on the paper doesn't, I mean, to, the, to anybody that looks at it closely, doesn't really hold water. And I brought this up before too. When I was drafted by the Reds, the shots owned it. I should look at the actual dollar figures, but the shots owned a bunch of car dealerships in Cincinnati and they end up buying the Cincinnati Reds, either late sixties or something like that, early seventies. And basically claimed, you know, cried foul every year. Like, Oh no, we're, you know, our payrolls, every you know, year. our payrolls 50 million and you know, it's costing us 70 million. So we're down 20 million or, you know, I mean, whatever it was, they were kind of running in the red. And then of course they made, you know, if they bought the team for 30 million and sold it for 350 million, you know, that's a $320 million profit over, you know, 20 years. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty good chunk of change. So I think we need to find a way to come together in the sense that this should be for the betterment of the game, right? This is our common theme, betterment of the game. Um, and I know I'm not giving you any statistics, but it's, it should be for the betterment of the game, get the product on the field and that will keep its value and maybe get some fans back because, if they don't get to play this season, um, you know, I mean, they're going to have to allow, they're going to have to allow steroids, cheating, move the mound back. Uh, guys <laughs> get to wear bigger bats and cork the bat. I mean, you know, they, t uh, the, I, I joke because McGuire and Sosa's 30 for 30s on right now, but you know, I, I, that, I recorded, I haven't watched it, uh, but they keep talking about how that kind of brought the game of baseball back to, you know, it's it essence did. and right. So yeah. why do we have to go again? This is that dip. Why are we going into this hole so that in 2025, like I said, it's going to be like UFC baseball so that fans come watch it. Like, <laughs> yes, we finally have steroids are legal. Weapons are legal. If there's a brawl, it's got to be one-on-one. -on -one. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm obviously joking, but like they're going to have Rick, to make all these rules. Where you that get are... the grenade? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, all that roundabout stuff to say that, um, 
you know, we didn't think that this should be a collective bargaining agreement, but it is. And yeah. these owners who've made so much money over this time, uh, the time frame of owning the team and having it, they just need to get out of the dark ages and stop running their team. Like looking at the, you know, looking at the, uh, I guess the tally sheet or the accounting, yeah. the accounting sheet. But but none of those none of those numbers have been released for whatever reason. I know that the players have asked for them. I don't even need them to be public. But I mean, I know the players would like to look at some of the greater numbers. Yeah. And like you just said about the the Marlins, you know, the franchise value has gone up, but the payroll's gone down. So they're they're going to be in good shape. I feel like you know the Tampa Bay Rays who don't draw, but they put together a competitive team and have high TV ratings. Or, you know, they're going to be in decent shape. And I feel like some of these teams like the Yankees, Red Sox, uh, Dodgers, who have very good TV deals are going to, they'll be better off. You know, it's the high payroll, bad TV contracts in some of these middle markets that might feel a little more of the pressure. And the, I'm not saying that they're pushing back, but I'm saying that there, there's a reality there that there will be a heavier hit on some teams as opposed to other teams. But it goes to your point where when you get into that group and you have a, it takes what, five to eight, I think it takes like eight owners to kind of shift the direction or the majority of how they vote on these things as far as moving forward. Um, and that might be those owners or it might be an owner that's like, you know, hopefully it's to Tuttle's point, you know, hopefully it's an owner that's like, you know what, we're in a shit situation. We're going to, you know, make a chicken salad sandwich out of this chicken shit we got working right here and take the hit move forward, keep the game intact because it's, you know, it's going to be a heavy short-term loss, but it's going to be a, maybe a quicker turnaround as far as getting the fans back in the stands and getting your product back in the good graces of the fans who actually ultimately pay the money. And you also got to remember too, that TBS just agreed to a $1 billion, $1 billion deal uh, as far as TV rights, Right. I believe in 2022 moving forward. So, you know, there's a lot riding on this CBA coming up. But to Tuttle's point, everything that you're seeing out there, and you might be angry at Manfred, you might be angry at the players, these are all stall tactics. You know, it has never been said, it's never, it hasn't been said, we're not, we're not going to play. Nobody has said that yet. Nobody has pulled that off, on, off the table and said, there's no season. We're just going to shut it down. And you kind of see everybody softening about that, even with Manfred and his debacle on ESPN. You know, he kind of said, you know, we're going to get the game back up. And a lot of people I've talked to, players and, and management or ex-management guys that I've talked to still have hopes for this season. But it's hard for the fan, I think, to understand that these are stall tactics because we live in such a reactionary world of the 24-7 news feed or the guy who cranks out a thousand-word essay on the last word that Manfred said and just goes, blah, and you're, and you're looking for clicks and, and freak-out sessions. So it's, it's kind of tough to be patient in the moment. But I believe, you know, if – you're, you're right around that 45-game, 50-game mark, I think, as far as how many games you can actually play. So if you think about it, you know, we're in the middle of June now. And, you know, if you can get this thing signed in the next two weeks, you'd have three weeks to get ready and maybe start playing the end of July. And you'd have the last week of July, August, September. Maybe you get 50 games in there. You know, maybe you're able to squeeze it in there, a couple double headers every now and then and then get to a playoff season and get through October. So I, th I think that is the hope that I'm holding on to. Um, and all that stuff, what I, what I love is the we ready stuff. We ready, tell us when, all the players are tweeting out. Oh, my gosh. Is that – I mean, that is – they're just taunting. Yeah. 
<laughs> just taunting yeah. the owners of like, hey, man, we ready. Let's go. Just say, set a date. We've been saying this for months. I mean, the logistics conversation is what they should have been having. You know, what stadiums yeah, are we going to play really hope they, hope they had, right? Yeah, like how are we going to do the testing? And, you know, you did the tournament uh, last weekend or two weekends ago where it's like, all right, you know, we did the temperature check every day. And, you know, mm -hmm. all right, that's the conversations they should have been having, not these money conversations. And I think to your point, ultimately, I, I'm not an economist or a mathematician, but I know that if there's $50 million in the pie or $100 million in the pie and I get 0% of that, uh, would I rather get 1% of that or 2% of that and take a hit? Or, you know, I mean, and I'm sure that's what they're juggling, but I know 0% of something is still zero. And mm -hmm. I just feel like, they should all be thinking in those terms as well as part of the starvation that comes with not having live sports is this, you know, uh, kind of fervor to get back into it. I've seen it in other walks of life, you know, uh, if you weren't deemed essential from a business standpoint, well, guess what? Restaurants have lines now um, in my, my Good field, point. medical, medical, you oh no, you can't just go see the doctor. Nope. You got to do telemed or you got to shut it down. We're going to mm -hmm. cancel all our appointments. Well, guess what people are doing now? They're like, they can't, they're beating down the door to get back into the doctor's office. So, I mean, all these things that we see play out in the rest of society, why won't that happen? My neighbor texted me, he's a young kid. I say young, I mean, 20 year old guy. Uh, he knows I've been watching soccer. Well, the English Premier League starts today. He's like, dude, live soccer tomorrow. Like he's, he's fired up. I mean, we've just kind of, we're like, we're like bulls in the, in the pen there, like waiting to yeah. get out into the arena, you know, the riders on my back and they got the thing and they're, they're, mm -hmm. they're prodding me along. And I just feel like, I, I don't know, as an owner, I would think, look, I mean, these fans are just dying to get the new gear and the new uniforms and the new like logos and the, mm -hmm. just, just to see live sports again that's got to mean something to them, especially if they've been, you know, if this isn't their first year owning a team. So. Yeah. To your point, And I didn't really think about it until now because I've been so focused on all of the other BS that is going on out there between the negotiations and, and trying to describe that, but you kind of forget that you are a fan. And, you know, I think the best way to compare it to is, is I've never watched NASCAR. You know, racing is on my wife's side of the family and they, they watch NASCAR. They watch, you know, they, they raced midget cars, you know, not you know, whatever, but they, yeah. they, they didn't. So they're into racing. The only time I watch it is when I'm with them and I'll, and I'll do it because they love it and we're enjoying our time together. But if I'm Are you talking about midget car of the class or short people cars? Like I'm really upset <laughs> with you using that term. No, I I see why are you yeah, doing this? Come this on. This is like a setup. Yes. Here you go, blow midget car one. is like welterweight. Yeah. And yes, I know yeah. it's a class it's a of small cars. car. That's right. I didn't name them. I just, I, and I never knew what they were until I, my brother-in-law, Matt was right. Raced in them. Caveat. So, yeah. So to, to, to compare what you're talking about is a couple of weeks ago, there was a NASCAR event on, and I, I, mean, and I didn't know. I'm just flipping channels, and I'm going, okay, I don't want to watch that. I don't want to watch a replay of that. I don't want a rerun of that. I don't want to stream that. I've watched enough of that. And then I got to NASCAR, and it said live. And I went, yeah. well, damn, I'll get in on it. And I started watching. I watched a good half an hour of NASCAR for, yeah. for a half an hour. And I think to your point, everybody at this at this given moment in their COVID, you know, crisis, lockdown situation or quarantining or whatever, I think we've kind of gotten to the point where Hollywood can't make a movie. Uh, they're holding on to them until the theaters are open. They're not going to throw them out there and stream too many of them. 
Uh, you've already streamed every movie that you wanted to and forced your kids to watch. <laughs> you've, seen, you've seen every series, uh, you know, for, for decades. I think my, one of my daughters is watching Criminal Minds and is like in the season eight already. So you're kind of to this point where she'd never watched an episode before and she's in season eight. You're like, yeah, okay, I think quarantine's it. I mean, been on a while. Them, dude. So you're, you're, we're all in this situation where we're like, okay, we, we've, we've done enough of that. Now I need something that I haven't seen before. And the one thing we haven't seen is live action sports. So even if you're mad, what I'm assuming, and I think what you're trying to get to too is, you know, if, even if you're mad at the sport, even if you're not a fan or you're a fan you're, and you're like pissed and all of a sudden the season's back, you're like, I'm not going to watch. I guarantee you at seven o'clock on a Tuesday when you're done with America's Got Talent or, you know, J-Lo's Dance Fever, you're going to go, I think I'm going to watch uh, the Cardinals play some baseball right now because <laughs> you know? exactly. it's live. Yeah. Well, there's also something about baseball in general or live sports in general that that's what, I, you know, I always felt like, that was the kind of thing that um, you could just have on in the background as well. Cause it was live. Yeah. So no, it wasn't like, yeah. you know, you don't, you don't turn on like, um, you, you know, Shawshank <laughs> redemption and like, you know, like, Oh, what did I miss? Oh yeah. That's, Oh, that, you know, I mean, you got to watch a movie and you got to be into it. Baseball's like, ah, it's zero, zero for the first two innings or three innings. And you can hear it in the background and then, Oh, what happened in this inning? And you can actually watch it. You have so time to get back. Yeah. That's, a that's great, right. Yeah, and, great and, call. Yeah, but men in general, right? That's why we like the live sports. You don't know the outcome. You can, you know, the Olympics are on every four years. I mean, there's just that excitement that comes with watching something. That anticipation, that, the build. Right. Yeah. Well, somebody said this before. It's not the, you know, in a scary movie, in a horror flick. It's not when the monster jumps <laughs> yeah, out that you're scared. Hitchcock, actually, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's all Sterling of Hitchcock. Yeah, I think Sterling it was, Hitchcock's uh, a picture. Alfred <laughs> Hitchcock. <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock. Idiot. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> Sterling Hitchcock may appreciate that. And he made the, uh, oh no, he didn't make the news this week. That was Turk Wendell. See, I got Sterling Hitchcock and Turk Jeez. Wendell mixed up. And anyway, it's crazy. But it's not when the monster presents itself in the movie that you're scared. It's the buildup to it. And I think that that's kind of, you know, I mean, that's exactly what you're saying with the, uh, you know, the anticipation of what's going to happen in the next inning or who's coming in or who's at bat. It's Match that excitement yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. When they strike out, it's like, ah, he struck out. Okay. Well, you know, the anticipation was the moment. And I think that's what happens in live sports. And I mean, as you said, people will come back to that. And I just, it's a little frustrating to say the least that um, maybe it's because we're focused on the articles. Like I didn't read yeah. anything about the other leagues coming back or not coming back. They just said, Hey, they're coming back at this date. And even the NBA said, look, we're going to play the last part of the season in Orlando, and this is how we're going to do it. And I've kind of stopped watching. Of course, now there's like, you know, Kyrie Irving saying, well, this is silly. And, you know, somebody else saying it. But they've kind of got the plan in place, and we're kind of plowing through the, the specifics because, hey, we're going to have basketball on this specific date. And I think baseball could do a better job, as we've mm -hmm. talked about ad nauseum on the podcast. They could do a much better job of being – Oh, man, um, yeah you know, publicizing this and making this and keeping everything kind of behind closed doors. I, I just, I don't know for, for a business like the NFL MLB, I mean, Rob Manfred's an attorney. Goodell was an attorney. These guys are lawyers. You'd think that a uh, uh, attorney client privilege, like being used to, un, you know, keeping documents sealed and not talking, you know, airing your dirty laundry and not talking about things in public would translate to something like this where, Hey, we're working on it. 
we'll let you know when something's happened. This is, you know, we're working on logistics behind the scenes and that's my only comment for today. Mm -hmm. seems like that would work better than the approach they're taking currently. Well, if, you know, they did meet today face to face and my God, it's amazing. It took that long to actually figure that out. Cause I think the last time they did meet was June 7th. And then we just had, you know, just this barrage of snowballs going back and forth at each other, trying to pummel each other into submission. And eventually they get to the point where like, okay, we're both screwed. How do we figure this out? And now let's sit down and talk together. But you know, just to kind of maybe, you know, finish this thing off, I think it's an opportunity for players to actually kind of step in because they've already started with the we ready, let us play kind of thing. So they've already kind of stepped up and gained the favor of the public. It would go a little bit further if they actually agreed to terms right now and set things up for the CBA because in two years when they do have that conversation, they can go, man, remember when you were jacking us around about the pandemic? that was killing people off back here and we, we succumbed to what you wanted. Okay. Now let's get this CBA done and let's get this thing moving forward. And maybe that's another tactic. I have no idea, but it's been amazing to watch this whole thing unfold in public, man. And uh, hopefully now that they are meeting in person, they get this thing done, get it out of the way and get it over with. Yeah. Completely agree. Completely agree. I mean, we got us, we got it. I mean, if, if this isn't done by next week, then this will be our fourth or fifth podcast in a row. Kind of, you know, (laughs) Do you want to make a this, deal? <laughs> ah, here we go. Make a, if they don't have a deal. Don't bet done, on it, folks. Here we go. Don't bet on it. Here we go. <laughs> uh, if they don't have a deal in place, by next time we do a podcast, we will not talk baseball. All right. I mean, Is that I'm, possible? I like yeah, I think it's possible. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll just have to write down a bunch of other topics. But yeah, we will basically come on and say, hey, as per our agreement, uh, <laughs> we're not going to talk uh, – the reason that you guys listen to this podcast. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I I know. Right. I mean, how many people will be like, no, talk about it, talk about it because I mean, the feedback's been great. So, I mean, a lot of credit to the fans who have been putting up with this too. And, uh, kind of, you know, I think we could go a whole podcast without talking baseball. And I think that'd be a fun thing to do. And it would be a, uh, you know, we could be men of our word that way. So for sure. There you go. And uh, fans have been great. You can go to bleacherblums.com. Check us out on there. You get to know a little bit more about Tuttle. You get to know a little bit more about myself. You can check out uh, some of the hats if you'd like it. And you can also get in our mailbag. Send us some requests. Send us some questions. Give us some of your feedback. You can also find uh, our podcast uh, that's on iTunes and most major platforms. And you also have a link to uh, the YouTube channel, Social Nostra, that we're on, that actually gives you an opportunity to see the faces of Tuttle and myself as we go through this podcast to kind of, you know, mirror what's happening on just the audio form. So it's been a lot of fun for us. And what's been most fun is always, I mean, now that we're on YouTube, so you want to go to YouTube and usually you just hear me say, hey, what'll, what'll Tuttle say? Now you actually get some graphics behind it and some visuals to kind of go with it. But Without further ado, of course, it's that moment in this podcast where we can't wait to hear what'll Tuttle say. Nice, thanks, Blummer. I, uh, I makes me laugh today because uh, it is baseball related, not customer service related. <laughs> I don't have a gripe today. I'm not the get off my lawn guy today. But uh, Tim Kirkjian, uh, ESPN.com, wrote a really fun art- funny article about. Uh, I wish we could attach it. Maybe we'll have Kevin attach it in the show notes or something like that. Um, but or you attach it. That's fine. Good. Yeah, if you, if you email, the link, email the link to me, I will make sure it's on the podcast uh, uh, the notes. Uh, uh, show notes. Yes. There you go. So, but he just basically, uh, I think the article is entitled, um, let me find it. Uh, 
Tim Kirchin's baseball fix, the great name combinations in history. And I just, I mean, it's the, it starts out with a picture of two guys on the Padres, uh, Kramer and Newman. And that just, that got me. I was Hello, a sucker. Newman. Yeah. So let me just read a little bit of it. So the 1980s gave us several starts of Mike Mason versus Ken Dixon. So Mason Dixon. More recently, <laughs> we have had Minor Leak, Diamond Sale, Cole Hahn, Lee Strasberg, Nova Kane. Oh. So there you go. Yeah. I, Ivan Nova and Matt Kane, I'm guessing. Yeah. We regret, however, that Chad Moeller did not catch that game. Oh, I love man. it. Nova Kane with Chad Moeller behind yeah. the dish. Yay, there you go. <laughs> um, and then I will not read the whole article. I just, that one cracked me up. As a Giants fan, they talked about, obviously, Bud Black before he was a manager and a pitching coach, but Bud Black and Steve Decker, so Black and Decker. <laughs> Black and then this is a little bit of a stretch, but the 80s Tigers started a battery of Glenn Abbott and Marty Castillo. So you had Abbott and Castillo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, this, and who's on first? Yeah, right. And so let me just finish with this one. So Barry Bonds, of course, he homered off everybody on, uh, under God's you know, green earth, on God's Ooh, green earth. Yeah. Barry Bonds homered off a Woody, a Cliff, and a Fraser, which was the uh, norm. Bonds also homered off Abbott and Castillo, Dustin and Hoffman, Murphy and Brown, Ebert and Roper, Clay and Fraser, Green and Beret, Charles and Darwin, Franklin and Marshall, Price and Wright, Reed and Wright, Fry and Cook, Long and Foster. So, I mean, dude, that I mean, how funny awesome. is that? Yeah. I mean, that's so, anyway, doing some research in a great way, man. That's that hilarious, so, dude. Anyway, wanted to share that. I'll, I will email it to you. But, folks, that is, if you want to smile – and you want to smile and actually think about baseball in the same uh, <laughs> brain space, just read Tim Kirchin's art article. And as I said, it'll, it'll brighten your spirits and uh, give you a little laugh. So that's all I got for, uh, for what will Tuttle say. And uh, I don't know if you have any blast Blum, but we're ready for those too. And we're going to hope that, hope that Kevin is, uh, is up on his graphic game so that he can uh, give you the, uh, yeah. the uh, notoriety that you deserve. <laughs> Yeah, that I've been begging for. So on Blum's Blast, I'm actually going to use a little bit of Tuttle's real quick because now that I'm a broadcaster, the names are are tough, like pronunciations. I want to get them right because forever I've been called Geoff Bloom and it pissed me off because I wanted to be Jeff Blum, who I am. And so I try to, you know, I try to get the names as right as I can as often as I can just out of respect to the player and the families who are watching and things like that. That being said, when Charlie Furbush came in to pitch games for the Seattle Mariners, I had to lay out for like about three hitters because I couldn't handle it. I'm like, really, this dude's name is Furbush? And so it's, we started to do this in the booth, you know, me, uh, Alan Ashby, TK, and, you know, we start to have some fun with it. And I w- there was a matchup that I would have dreaded. And if it was the Dickie Furbush matchup, I, I might have lost my marbles, man. It was, I am that yeah. I'm that young in the head. To you grew up in a locker room, funny. man. Dick you Furbush, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard. Um, yeah. I, I'm going to throw one at you because my wife, who does not follow baseball, which we said, but she thinks Pujols is the actual <laughs> the funniest name. And I said, no, that's a super common Dominican name. Like, you know, Pujols is like a normal yeah, but name. But she just thinks Pujols. She's like, would you, how could you walk around with your last name being Pujols? And I just thought, 
All right. Like you've could, taken. Could you explain that for us? Could you explain <laughs> that? Why that's funny? I'm not kidding. You can't stop laughing. You just can't. But I mean, so now if you ever get back in the broadcast booth, I will start thinking about the names in a different light. And if you I'm going to bring your name up. Uh, if you go silent for a oh, for a no. batter or two, and TK's like keeping, I'm the, gonna be oh, like. This, so when we play the Angels, I'm gonna be like, this guy right here is David Tuttle's favorite ball player, Albert uh, Pujols. All right, well that's I fine. cannot wait. Yeah, so I just you, think I never even thought about it, which cracks me up. That was my wife saying. She goes, that name is so unusual. Like, how can you walk around with a name like that? I'm like. You know, I you know, I, I don't know, Furbush or I, I, any of those names. I guess. I mean, you, oh, they're, they're your given name, Geoff Bloom. Yeah, Geoff Bloom. Wear that. So yeah. I've got a funny story about uh, a name that, uh, like, in the, it was the first couple of years that I started broadcasting, and we're we're playing, uh, we're calling a game between the Astros and the Braves at the time. And Alan Ashby is on play-by-play. I'm doing color commentary, and literally, this is one of the first like ten or twelve games I've ever called in my life. And this, this young prospect, I can't remember his first name, but I definitely know his last name, was Terdoslavich. Hmm. And I had to practice that one quite a bit. But I was being an idiot, and he announces, now batting, I can't remember his first name, Terdoslavich. And, he, you know, strike one, ball one. I go, man, Ash, I go, you know, the hardest part about broad, and I, I said this, I go, the hard, you know, learning how to broadcast is very hard sometimes because you get interesting names like the one we have now. And I go, with the guy who comes up to the plate, I practice his name before the broadcast, and I couldn't get past turd. <laughs> and I laid out, and Ash looked at me like he was going to kill me, man. You left him hanging. Yeah, so I've, I've said turd on air. No offense to Trudoslovich. I just thought it was a stupid, funny baseball joke. Yeah. But I have been on air and I've said turd. Yeah. Yay. But turd was short for Trudoslovich, which we all know, right? Yeah, you know, duh. Like tut yeah. is short for tuttle. Like, you yeah. know. Anyway, right. yeah, I, you know, growing up in a locker room, some of that stuff just doesn't die. And, you know, there are just some names that are tough to say. Oof. We keep saying the, uh, the, the Dolphins' new quarterback, right? Like, Oh yeah, Tong, Tonga Vailoa. If you yeah. read it, if you, if somebody tells you his last name is Tonga Vailoa, you're like, okay, I got it. Yeah. When they see it spelled out, oh. you're like, where's the N in there? I'm confused again. Yeah, it's like, intimidating, it, man. So I, I, you know, I definitely feel for you in that scenario, and obviously you have plenty of listeners, um, as we now do on the podcast. So I guess they're gonna they're gonna do anything they can to make us laugh. You know, we yeah. got turd and pool holes. Oh, we may and, get some recommendations on names we missed for sure. Yeah, well. If we yeah. read Kirkton's article, it gets you off on the right foot from uh, like Kramer and Newman made me laugh right away. That's a good one. Hello, Newman. Yeah. Um, and the last thing I've got is there was an article in The Athletic, and this is where I self-promote, gloat a little bit about how awesome my uh, broadcast team is now that we're not broadcasting. But uh, an article came out in The Athletic. Uh, talking about uh, did a survey on all the broadcasts throughout Major League Baseball. And I would, you know, it, it ranked everybody one through 30. And I think that there are very good broadcasters throughout all one through 30. And, you know, it's not that somebody was super awful, like the Detroit Tigers who ended up being 30th. I think they got devalued because the team had been so bad. They had a new broadcast crew. Cause I guarantee you in 2013, 14, when I was first doing this, I would have been on that <laughs> list at the bottom of the barrel and I may have, but, um, 
you didn't pay attention when you were down there, but now nobody was paying attention to us. And I wasn't <laughs> yeah. gonna I definitely wasn't gonna read the negative article. Are you kidding me? Psh, who does That's that? Right. <laughs> That's right. But uh, uh, we we got ranked fifth out of uh, thirty teams, and I was extremely proud of that. And I just wanted to give a shout out to Julia TK, Carl Patterson, who's our producer, does an un unbelievable job. But there's a lot of people behind the scenes, and as much as I miss baseball right now it kind of hurt to read that because people enjoy the broadcast. And when you said earlier that people will have the game on and kind of do what they do in the background and just kind of have us as like a part of their life in that living room with the TV sound on, it kind of gave me a certain amount of pride, but it also gave me a certain amount of disappointment knowing that we've missed out on so many games. So I hope we get baseball back, but I appreciate all the fans out there who actually took the time to send in comments, to actually vote and give numbers and, you know, criticize us or, you know, praise us. So greatly appreciate that. That was just a little bit of, a little bit of yeah. this right now. Oh, that's all right. It was that, a lot of fun. So it was good to read that. It felt good. Of course. And you guys do an excellent job. Who, who was number one on that list? Because I always think I believe like it was the New York Mets, which, oh, you know, man. I do applaud them. They've done a very good job uh, with Ron Darling and, uh, oh my gosh, uh -huh. Keith Hernandez who are highly entertaining. And then I think it was the Giants with, uh, you know, Kuiper. Those and, uh, are, I'm biased too. Like, yeah. you, I, I always tell you, you guys are my second favorite. Yeah. It's Kuiper and so Kruko. Kuiper and Kruko have been doing yeah. it for years. And my favorite, this I'm biased only because you were a position player. And uh, I know Kuiper was a position player, but Kruko's the pitcher, man. And he is like, he's like, here it comes. Look at that. That's paint right there. <laughs> and you're just like, he just speaks the, the, the jargon, the language. And he is. Yeah. He's a really fun guy to listen to. But I, I also think that being in the top five means a lot. And I think it goes to what we have always said about having, and maybe we'll get the opportunity this year, just to segue off what you said, having the local broadcast teams do some of the initial playoff rounds, Ooh, if not man, a little bit be deeper awesome. before the World Series, because uh, it really is, um, you guys have the inside knowledge and you have the relationships that you build over the course of the year with the trust and you're able to pull some information out that may not be, um, um, you know, I guess easy to disseminate or easy to get from, uh, from a national broadcast crew that just kind of comes in and plows through the locker room and, you know, they're in it for a, a couple of days or not. So I think hopefully, uh, if we get the season underway, that we'll get to kind of tweak some of the ways that we, uh, that we view baseball in general and we get those top five broadcast teams, uh, a little extra work this year. Yeah, because we want to work. That's what's crazy, man. I'm dying to work. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that's going to do it for this podcast. I mean, it's been heavy on the baseball. Uh, there's some golf tournaments coming up that maybe we'll talk about a little bit. Tuttle's got, uh, got a good friend who's written a very good book uh, regarding some past baseball that we may dig into a little bit, which is very intriguing, I think. And, uh, you know, just try and – I'm just going to leave it a little bit here. Just, like, find the good in people. I know that right now, you know, Tuttle hinted at the fact that we're living in extremes a little bit. Find that, find that good. Find that common ground. Talk to people. Create the conversation. And it, I can't emphasize this enough. And, I mean, I feel like it was the first podcast we did where we're like, create the conversation and listen. Have it. Say something stupid. Ask a dumb question and get the answer that you need or get the information that you need and finally move forward through all that stuff. But 
find the good in people. Uh, I know it can be hard at times, but it's in there and it's just a matter of digging it out from them. Uh, I don't know if that's too heavy to end this thing on, but uh, I want you to say something to finish this thing off. No, no, it's not too heavy. I, I like heavy. My wife will tell me I, I get too heavy with certain things because I get emotional, but I, I think... I'm the you same know, way, man. What I found is this is kind of the same thing when you're disagreeing with your neighbor, or you're upset at somebody on the road. Um, if you're in your own headspace in a good place, so I, again, this I always take this back to bring it, bringing it to the individual. If you're in a good headspace and you, you know things are going well, or you're confident, or you you know you get up and look in the mirror every day and give yourself the mantra like "Gosh darn it," you know "Gosh darn it," I'm good enough and bright enough and smart enough. Um, it puts you in a better headspace to deal with other people as well. Cause you know, not everybody's a great person, but I think if we all kind of do a little, like you said, kind of inner self uh, challenge to be a better person um, that seeking out uh, another man's opinion or seeking out another man's viewpoint uh, comes easier when you're not mm -hmm. like angry and upset and hostile and trying to get somewhere all the time. And I think that that's kind of, the foundation for what you're talking about. We need to be more understanding. We need to listen better. Uh, we need to start a conversation and try and understand where someone else is coming from. So without uh, adding anything to that, I appreciate that Blummer. I appreciate the podcast. I want to do a quick shout out to the guys that have been with us for the whole entire podcast that we've done 75, 76, 77. I think it's 75 now. Uh, Ram shirts. Um, he also has uh, crush city tees, T E E S.com for the h.com he has as well oh, yeah. he does all of our merchandise for the h crush at ets.com and of course um uh jake over at just geek it it he's done our website and all that and those guys are uh, a big part of the bleacher blums team and uh you know we're thankful for them and we're thankful for all of you guys all the podcast listeners and everybody else word to that fans have been great and uh, the sponsors that we do have working with us trying to get our website great trying to get the merch great have done a phenomenal job we truly appreciate them uh, of course all the frontliners out there still dealing with the covid a little bit of an uptick be well be safe take care of everybody uh, military first responders essential workers people out there reopening be careful be safe do what you got to do and uh, hopefully we get sports back i know that i'm excited about another golf tournament coming up i'm excited to about the NBA. I'm excited to see these guys go out there and put their product out there and play as hard as they can because I think uh, a lot of us need that uh, that commonality. One thing sports does, as much as it creates the fanaticism, it also br brings uh, about community because we do like the sport. So everybody out there, be well, be safe, be good, and most of all, get after it, and you got to believe it.